Welcome to the Team Health Podcast Program, Beyond Clinical Medicine, what they don't teach you in residency. I'm Rob Strauss, Team Health's Chief Medical Training Officer, and this podcast is one of our series discussing the work-life stresses that are particularly difficult in today's pandemic world. The topic specifically will discuss a person's journey from the normally difficult challenges of an emergency department with all of its unknowns to a significantly more complicated and stressful and dangerous environment for patients as well as clinicians during COVID. And then on to using the time that he had to rediscover personal passion that has opened a new life for our guest, from adversity to joy and excitement. And here today with us is David Mucci. He's been working as an emergency physician for 40 years and currently practices in Waterbury, Connecticut. I came across him when I was sent an interview he did for Good Morning America, during which he was interviewed by Robin Roberts. I learned as had been suggested to me, there was something very special about David that we could all benefit from learning. In addition to being an emergency physician, Dr. Mucci has become a successful author and now even the CEO of a film company across the ages films. David, welcome. Thank you, Robert. Very pleased to have to be here with you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about your practice. Well, I have been practicing emergency medicine for uh, 40 years, actually. I just passed the 40-year mark, and I did my original residency in um, surgery way back in the day when there was not very many emergency medicine programs. And a very wise surgeon told me, Dave, go into emergency medicine. That's where the new upcoming field is. And that's what medicine is going to be centered around in the future. And I took his advice and 40 years later, here I am. Very cool. Um, so I can relate to that story personally. So, but there are lots of unknowns in the emergency department. With the pandemic, there have been enormous stresses. Can you tell us about some of those stresses that you experienced? Yeah, you know, Rob, uh, as an emergency room physician, we, unless we have repeat customers, we don't know the patients, we don't know the family. So we have a very small amount of time where we can uh, interact and bond with them. And what I personally, what I found during the pandemic was that that was totally stripped away from us. The patients would come in, they would be put in isolation. I'm talking the, the height of the original part of the pandemic. Um, we would be dressed up in what I would call my zoot suit, you know, my Ebola suit or moon suit. Yep. And the family members would be outside. They weren't even allowed in the waiting rooms. And these patients didn't know me. I didn't know them. And that handholding, the 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 bonding, the instant bonding wasn't there. Um, so it was hard. It was hard as a clinician. It was hard for the patients. One patient, this wife dropped him off in the emergency room. He wasn't feeling good. He walked in. Three hours later, he's intubated. Three hours later, he passed away. And the hardest thing for me as a clinician was. I had to call his wife on a cell phone 
she was out in the uh, out in the car and i basically had to introduce myself and tell her your husband has passed away and you know what what it did for for me was it stri it stripped away that only part of humanity that i had to bond with the patient the family member um you know usually when things like that happen we have a grieving room and we go in we can you know put our arm around them hold their hand look into their eyes this was cold and it stripped away that aspect of medicine when we go through trauma like that uh, emotionally as physicians one of the things that we fall back on at least for me and the crew i work with is we all work in a a, a a nursing center where we type up our charts we could converse we could laugh we could cry we could you know in the the way only emergency room uh personnel understand we um we decompress whether it's laughing, joking, or whatever. We couldn't even do that because we were six feet apart. We were, we were all wearing our, our um, protective gear. So even though the patients were isolated, we were isolated. Mm. And that, 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 that was hard. That was hard on the staff. So that's what we were going through. Your warmth and caring and humanity come through just in your describing the situation. So I'll, I'll bet it was particularly difficult uh, for somebody who cares so much as you clearly do. So how, how did you cope with that uh, when you were there and when you weren't? Well, when I was there, when I had my down moments, um, basically, I would, uh, I would write in my head. I would write scenes, stories. I would let my mind wander. It was like, it, it, I couldn't converse with my colleagues. I couldn't joke with my colleagues. So that I basically, you know, turned inward and, and took my mind to a happy spot, a different spot. You know, at first it was mm -hmm. vacations with my family and, and children. And then after a while, once I started writing, it was, well, let me, uh, I have a moment break where I can just totally, you know, um, uh, you know, um, decouple from the moment. And I went into a, a scene or, or something that I was thinking about for the book. So share with us that transition between working and starting to write. I, I know that in the past you had written uh, a couple of books, um, but now something happened and you you refocused. Why? How did that happen? Well, you know, in the beginning, we and I say we generally, the, the population, the, 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 the people just didn't know. Medical st staff didn't know how dangerous this virus was. So I would see patients, you know, deteriorate in minutes. And we had to come home to our families. We didn't know what we bring in that home. Was 
Was it on our skin? Was it on our nose? Was it on a piece of hair that was, you know, hanging down accidentally? Um, so I would come home and even in the middle of the winter, I would strip down naked in the, in the garage, which was not heated. And, you know, <laughs> my family, you know, naked dad coming in, moved to the other side of the house. <laughs> I would run upstairs. My wife had a bag out in the garage and I'd put all my scrubs in there and I'd run upstairs, shower, and uh, she had would already have laid out um, sweatpants and towels. And I would, you know, you know, clean up and go to another part of the house. We're lucky we have a, you know, a, a pretty good sized house and we have a, an area which is a library. So we, I would isolate in there and my dinner would be in there or whatever. And, you know, after a while of just, you know, and I would sleep in a different wind of the house and some of my colleagues would sleep in RVs in the driveway or they'd set up tents down in the basement. So everyone was fearful of bringing this home to their family because that was before the vaccine. We, we, were, we were inventing what we were doing as it went along because no one knew. So I would, you know, how many games can you play on your, on your iPhone or your iPad or watch TV? My wife finally said, you know, Dave, you have been thinking and talking about the story for a long time, for about 10 years. You've been, you know, just throwing little bits and pieces out. Why don't you write it? And I think that would be good for you because when you talk to us about it, you have this big grin on your face. And, you know, we need to see that again. You know, you, you need to be happy again. So I started writing at my wife's uh, recommendation. And she was very wise because she saw that, uh, you know, I was developing PTSD without even realizing it. And she kind of guided me to writing so that as I say, what turned out to be something for mental health turned into fun, turned into a passion to the point where I would be driving home from work saying, I got to write because I want to see what happens next. It's <laughs> great. So, so this is, this is interesting. So I, and I, I remember we, we wiped down our mail. So oh, yeah. I, I remember all of that. Uh, so during your quarantine, your self-imposed quarantine, you spent time writing which has become a passion for you. And uh, how did that work out for you? Emotionally or professionally Both. as a writer? Both. Well, emotionally it worked out great because as I had alluded to earlier, you know, during downtime in the ER when we were isolated, even from our colleagues. Uh, I remember one colleague admonishing me, Dave, you touched your nose. We were so fearful that even you know, just doing touching, it's like, did I just spread it? So we were in this massive panic. So for me, it really, um, it, it did multiple things. It allowed me to unwind, to be happy. And as a staff member, I would bring in bits and pieces of the story um, and share it with, with, with the nurses and the doctors. And they were part of the, Dave, what's happening next? And they were excited sometimes when I would come in. Did you bring another a scene in? Did you bring another nice. story? So it not only helped me 
it helped them because they looked forward to it. And it was a break from that, that constant stress. And, and for them and me, it was a, an emotional release. And they, they actually gave me some good, good feedback. Yeah, you know, I think if you did this with this character, it would be great. I love this part of this character. And as I was writing, it would, they love that part. I will expand upon that more. So it, it was helpful back and forth. I love that. And then professionally. So what happened? What's the name of the book? The book is called Ignatius and the Swords of Nastau. And could you uh, tell us what the genre is? It is a young adult fantasy, a YA fantasy. And I've been asked, Dave, you're going to be 68 in a couple of months. What's a 68-year-old guy doing writing young adult you know, fantasy books. For me, I, I, well, num number one, 80% of people that read YA books are adults. And I find that it is just so relaxing. It's uh, entertaining. You don't have to really think hard. And it's just, for me, I just fell into that because, you know, with my children, I would tell them a whole bunch of stories. We'd go on long, you know, drives and I would make these stories up and they, dad, tell us another story. And I would just have to make them up as I went along. And for me, that just became natural. So that's how I, I ended up doing young adult. So um, I, I want you to know, David, that uh, after you know, talking with you a few days ago, I downloaded the book through Amazon on Kindle, and I love it. Well, thank you. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it, and we're in the same age range. I love it. It is fun. I, I want there to be more books. What's the plan? Well, it's supposed to be a five book series. And without giving a spoiler alert, when you get to the end of book one, um, there are enough cliffhangers that if you like the book, hopefully you want to read book two, and then book three, book four, and book five. <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> what I've done is there are enough side stories that after this series, I can um, I'm set, I'm hopefully setting up to give backstories on other aspects of the book because people will want to what happened how did this happen how did how was that land set up because there's there's four lands um, mythical lands and they all have backstories and hopefully this will be you know as I'm retiring become a full time career for me so I've only seen two of the mythical lands mm -hmm. um one two and as you're talking about backstories it's sort of like boba fett and, and the mandalorian which is you know kind of a one of those backstories or or even baby yoda in fact which is kind of a backstory as well so uh there's a connection here uh between what i consider the ultimate young adult um, uh, fantasy writer J.K. Rowling and what you have done, uh, because I see, uh, I see some uh, plenty of similarities, plenty of depth and excitement. And what she did uh, wound up uh, going into the movies. And I see that you have, uh, you are the CEO of a movie company. So how does that all play out? 
Well, yes, I'm a CEO of Across the Ages Films, <clears throat> and the name is because we had the 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 uh, people involved are uh, throughout from 35 up to 85 years old. So we wanted to be all inclusive. So we named it Across the Ages Films. And I tried to do a similar thing in the book. Um, a lot of, some writers write monochromically. We don't live in a monochromic world. We live in a very diverse world. So if, as you read this, you will find that there are multiple different societies, multiple different ethnicities. Um, and, and I tried to make this all inclusive um, because that's the world we live in. And so the plan is to move this into either a five movie series, uh, one movie per book, or a TV series where every season with multiple episodes, you know, eight, nine, 10 episodes will consist of one book. And then the next year, the next season will be the next book. So this is what we're talking about right now. And we have some pretty heavy hitters involved, not only in Across the Ages films, but also in another production company that we're working with. So I, I'm wondering what thoughts you have for uh, people who haven't found that particular creative outlet. You have a background in writing, you had the opportunity, and you've been successful, but people um, uh, have their own personal outlets, whether it's exercise, could be writing or filmmaking, in some cases, uh, some bad habits that they develop. So writing became an adventure for you and more, it turns out, than an outlet. It became an expression of passion. How Can you put that in context for other people who are not writers? Yes. I, I think one of the things that the pandemic has done, um, it has forced us into some self-isolation. and most people that I know have some sort of hidden passion that they would love to have explored in their life. Well, my advice is now you have the time, just do it. I, I know some, um, some friends who um, wanted to learn how to play guitar play the piano, they've taken online Zoom courses, there are apps to show you how to do it, um, cooking lessons. We have a friend that, um, that took master class cooking lessons and there's a chef in Connecticut that you can log in um, once a month and it's live and you cook along with it, almost like the, the Chef Ramsay. You don't have to be an expert or the best. My advice is if there's something that you're interested in doing, use this opportunity to explore it. Um, some like to exercise. So now you have that time because you won't, you're, there are some areas where you can't, you know, you, you can't go out and they're more restrictive. But during the height of the pandemic, a lot of my friends were all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, you're, you're, you've lost weight, you're healthy, or, you know, you know, you're now a gourmet cook when you, when you always wanted to be. So 
think about what you've wanted to do or what you've wanted to get better at and just do it. The only one, and I tell my children, the only one that puts limitations on you is you. Don't let anyone ever tell you what you can or can't become and don't not do something for some excuse. You know, if you can get over that, just do it. You don't have to do it great. You just have to do it so you enjoy it. I didn't know if I was going to be a successful writer. I didn't do it to become a successful writer. I did it because I wanted to do it and it was fun. And I lucked out um, and my writing career is moving along very nicely. But, you know, just do something you've always wanted to do. Take this one aspect and say, I have free time now. I'm going to do it. So, David, um, it's really, really sound advice. And and one thing I, I, I think is probably true from your past, because you've written before, is you didn't start out being uh, a very successful writer. So one doesn't have to start out being uh, perfect. And that goes to your statement. Um, do it for the joy of it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it because you intend to be uh, successful at it. I want to talk about one more thing. And um, I know that you have a very close relationship with Jeannie, your wife. How important has that relationship been to your career and to being able to explore this passion? Well, first, let me tell you, my wife and I are inseparable. We've been married 28 years now, and we're still on our honeymoon. Huh. And, you know, I mean, my I think in 28 years has been, you know, not even 10 times that we've been apart and, um, you know, for business or whatever, um, you know, um, she is, for me, my rock, uh, my rock of Gibraltar. She is a very, very, she's, you know, not to sound cliche-ish, but she's the, the smartest woman I've ever met in my life. And for multiple reasons, um, intellectually, you know, um, emotionally, and in adventurous in life. Um, so for her, she saw what I needed. Um, she guided me there. And as, as a writer, she, she is my, my first and best and worst critic. I mean, <laughs> she, she will tell me, you know, Dave, I, I see what you're trying to do, but, you know, from this page to this page, just get rid of it. It's terrible. <laughs> and it's not like, oh, I'm going to hurt his feelings because that's the relationship we have. She respects me and I respect her to the utmost. And, you know, the, the, we can't hurt each other's feelings because we're blatantly honest, but still kind. Wow. So the first thing is, I wonder if we interviewed the right person in the family. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, you know, um, he sounds wonderful. So, so David, I, I just, uh, again, it sounds to me like you have a very full, passionate life full of love and you are giving back to all of us through your current uh, journey. And so I want to thank you 
personally. Again, partly because uh, I now am hooked on your current book and I anticipate more. Uh, and secondly, for spending this time with us to share how you've gone about this. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Great. And I with you. I hope you've enjoyed this Beyond Clinical Medicine podcast with Dr. David Mucci. If you have any questions about this topic or suggestions for future topics, please contact me at beyondclinicalmedicine.org. That's beyondclinicalmedicine.org. Thank you.